Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study of the epistles of the Apostle John. That is 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. We're in 1 John chapter 1 right now. And we left our last class with a discussion of my visit to a tire company in northeast Indiana. We were talking about light and darkness not coexisting. They don't live together. You either have darkness or you have light. When the light comes in, the darkness flees, or so it seems. And I was speaking of a visit that I'd had to this tire company where I'd been given a tour and shown how they put the carbon black material in to make the tires. And also I was taken to a portion of their uh, factory where they made all white tires. The most amazing looking tires you've ever seen. They make them for bicycles, they make them for big uh, cars. And uh, here they are making these all white tires. And if they have any hint of carbon black in them, they have to throw them away. They can't use them. Well, they go in, uh, in large measure. They have clean rooms and clean areas and exhaust areas and all sorts of things trying to keep the carbon black from coming in to those areas where they make the white tires. And so it is with us as Christians, and this is what John is writing here in 1 John, We are not to have the darkness of this world encroach upon the light of God. We're not to do that. We know that God himself is morally pure. He's morally, um, his moral purity, I guess we should say, is beyond measure. We could say a million percent pure and we would be way off the mark because we can't explain it. It is without any darkness, no moral darkness at all in God Almighty. Now, in these verses, five and following in chapter one, John gives five conditional sentences, all introduced by if. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so John outlines the dual relationship of a believer toward his sin and toward God. 
No one who is consciously walking in sin can have fellowship with God. That's there in verse 6. Even when a believer is in fellowship with God, there's taking place a secret cleansing of unknown sins in his life, verse 7. A believer is self-deceived if he thinks he no longer possesses a sin nature, verse 8. Restoration to fellowship occurs when a believer confesses his known sins and experiences God's forgiveness and cleansing, and that's in verse 9, and that's the one that often is repeated and clung to tenaciously if he, uh, excuse me, if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That gives hope beyond measure. A believer who claims that he's not sinned rejects the truth of God's word, and God's word says that he does sin. So verse 10 says, We can't make God a liar, can we? Can't do that. Now, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of 1 John join in, in my way of thinking, with the thought process of John chapter 1. And we read this, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, that is, the absolute, unqualified cleanser of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The goal of the believer is to sin not, but when he commits an act of sin, when he falls into sin, he can appeal to the advocacy and the propitiatory sacrifice of Christ as his basis of restoration. Christ died for your sin and for my sin. Um, A person can't keep all the commandments of God at all times. We understand that. Uh, And we understand that in chapter 2, we're going to be seeing that hereby we do know that we keep him, we, we know him, that we keep his commandments, and that's how we know we know God. But we also know that there is no way for us to keep all the commandments. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm thinking toward the future of our study here. Let's uh, go back just a little bit and uh, concentrate our thoughts here on verse 5 of First uh, John 1 and following. Um, this is the message that we've heard of Christ and we declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's that darkness and light concept, the idea of moral purity and immorality. There is no immorality in God, none at all. And so what John is telling us is that as human beings we should not boast ourselves and boast about how sinless we are, or how perfect we are, or how sinlessly perfection has, uh, sinless perfection has become our lot in life. Because if we say we have fellowship with him, walk in darkness, we don't do what we should, we're not in the truth. If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, then we're in fellowship with him. 
But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, if we say, if we boast, if we contend that we have no sin, we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, this is not living in sin, but falling in sin. There is a difference. A pig, when given the opportunity, will live in the mud puddle, will live in the mire, will soothe its skin with the mud and water of the world and will be a dirty animal. Oh, the pig, according to pig fanciers, is not a dirty animal, but the mud makes it feel better, so he burrows in the mud. And so I suppose if you could wash him down and put spring water on him and some rose water and a little bit of perfume that would make him feel like he had mud on but not have mud on, that the pig would be just as happy. I don't know. I've not spoken to pigs about that. So I don't know if it would work or not. But the point is, a pig's nature is to go to the mud and the mire. A pig's nature, his comfort level, is to be in the place of filth, in the place of dirt. And that's his comfort level. That's his nature. But that is not the nature of a child of God, to be in the muck and mire of this world. And that's the point that John's making. It's not a question of you can't fall into sin. You can. But you will not be comfortable. Your comfort zone is not living in sin if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You won't be comfortable there. You'll be uncomfortable and you'll have to get out of the sin and you'll have to get into the light and you'll have to confess your sin to God Almighty and receive the forgiveness that he has offered to you. Now, let's read uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3 and go forward. Um, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So, let's look at the first thing he's talking about. We know that we know that we know God Almighty through Jesus Christ, his Son, if we do what he's commanded us to do. And then, he says, those that say, I know him, but don't follow what Christ has commanded them to do, is not truthful, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5, But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that are in him. Assurance of saving knowledge can be gained through a lifestyle of commandment keeping. Again, a person does not have the ability to keep the commandments all the commandments that God gave, only Jesus Christ fulfilled all commandments. But we are considered a commandment keeper when we keep as best we can and make sure that we take advantage of 1 John 1, 9 when it's needed. To love one another as Christ loved us 
is the new commandment, by the way. And so to be in fellowship with God, one must love his brother and not be an offense to him. And we'll read about that as we go along. And so we need to be in Christ Jesus. If we keep his word, the love of God becomes mature in us, becomes perfected in us, and that's how we know that we're in him. Verse 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he's in the light, and hateth his brother, and is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Now, before we talk about the six statements that John gives in these verses, uh, I want to um, talk about where we've been here in chapter 2 thus far. We are to love one another as Christ loves us. Now, he says, I don't give you a new commandment, but I now give you a new commandment. Well, what, what kind of doublespeak is that? It's not doublespeak. What he's doing is making an emphasis. The commandments that you've heard from your youth, keep those. Because what they do is they point to this fact that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and him only should you serve. We know that. That's the main of that. And we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And this is what Christ gave us. And he said all of the law hangs on that. The fact of loving God and loving our neighbor. In this case, John is writing about our brother or our sister. We could think of that as being in the congregation, being part of the a group of believers, or you can see it as being neighbors. You could even see it as being flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. You could see it as being part of the earthly family. But we are to love one another, even as Christ himself has loved us. Our love is to be shed abroad. We are to show our love one to another. And we're to do it, and if I may say this, uh, we're to do this without restriction. We're not to restrict our love to those that are lovable or those that are loving or those that will reciprocate. We are to love without discrimination. Now, that's a tough one, but it's important if we're going to be what Christ would have us to be. We're not to be offensive to our brother, our sister, but we are to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And we continue reading here. He that loveth his brother, verse 10, abideth in the light. There's none occasion of stumbling in him. He that 
hateth his brother, is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now we have the six statements to each, to the little children, to the fathers, to the young men. These are six statements addressed to three groups within the churches. And we read it in verses 12 through 14. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. John commends them for their victories over past sin and their victories over Satan, and God commends them for their spiritual relationship. In verses 15 through 17, he gives a warning. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so these warnings are from John. He warns them against loving the world system. He warns them against loving the things of the world. And he says, you should not succumb to the desires of the flesh and the eyes and to proud ambition. Both a lack of love of the world and the presence of obedience to the divine will will bring assurance of salvation to those who are following after Jesus Christ. And this is what he presents to us in this portion of John, First uh, John, chapter 2, and beginning there at verse 2 of chapter 2 all the way through verse 17. He that loveth his brother abideth in light, and there is none occasion of darkness in him. And that's verse 10. No occasion of stumbling in him is the way the verse reads. It also brings the no occasion of darkness. Now, do you love your brother? Who's my brother? That was the question that Christ was asked. Who's my brother? And he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. You'll remember that. The priest, the Levite, the Jewish folks passed by and ignored the man with great need. And the Samaritan, who was an off-scouring of the Jews, the Jews didn't like him. They thought very ill of them. The Samaritan took care of the person who was hurt, 
injured, had been robbed, and he took that person to an inn and paid for his lodging and told the innkeeper whatever else costs you let me know when I come through again and I'll take care of it for you. Who was the brother? Christ said the Samaritan was the brother to that Jewish man because he took on his needs and his cares and took care of him in a way that a brother would care. Who's your brother? Your world is filled with your brothers and sisters, and we need to be going about doing good. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.